This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is Around the Rim time for ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. And I am joined once again by the lovely Chanae Ogumake. Hello, lady. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing, LaChina Big Sis? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. And, of course, we have the one, the only, Kiki Shepard, also known as Tarika Foster-Brasby, our producer. Hello, Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Janae, do you know who Kiki is? I'm lost. Oh, my oh see, that's see, on now, your this age is right where, there. That's on the right, age exactly. Right there. See, see, she was on me that last episode about me being old, but now, see, if you don't know who uh, Kiki Shepard is, we need you to go back and watch an old episode of of the Apollo mm-hmm. Showtime at the Apollo, and you need oh, to come yeah. back next week and tell us about who Kiki Shepard is. I can smell the Similac over here tonight. Me oh too. Me too. Apollo, that's like a throwback. See, we're going to move on. Yeah, we're going to have to move on. We're going to have to move on. Okay, so fans, um, we have a fantastic show, as always, lined up for you. There's so much going on in the WNBA world. We're going to be joined later in the show by one Tamika Catchings. Obviously, um, not too long ago, J- June 24th, she had her jersey retired. So we're going to catch up with Catch and all that she has going on um, and, and kind of relive that magic moment with her um, in the first quarter Chanae and I are going to talk about the big game that's right July 6 8 p.m. on ESPN 2 the Minnesota Lynx versus the LA Sparks the game will be held in St. Paul it is the first time those teams will have played since last year's epic five-game final series. So that's right. First quarter, Cheney and I will just touch upon what we're looking for, Tarika, as well. Um, but first, just a couple of items on the clipboard we wanted to remind fans about. Number one, that's right. WNBA All-Star voting is getting ready to close shortly. Thursday, July 6th at 9 p.m. So continue to get those votes in um, for your All-Star. They did a um, preliminary release of some of the leading vote-getters. I know Deladon was there, Maya. So you still got time to vote. The head coaches of the league actually vote for the reserves. Um, and there's also a media panel. So a lot going on with the All-Stars. But please vote for your favorite. Um, what else did I want to talk about? the clipboard what what else do you see going on today what you got well i mean this is a fun time because right before all-star this is when teams sort of make their final push right before the break so i think there's so many things going on i mean tamika's gonna be hopefully dropping knowledge about the WMBPA. so let's just get it rolling all right yes let's get it rolling let's just head into the first quarter tariga let's go first quarter All right, fans, we're blowing the whistle in the first quarter, so we're talking about the big matchup between the L.A. Sparks and the Minnesota Lynx that's going to happen this Thursday at 8 p.m., July 6th, that is, on ESPN2. Um, Congratulations, by the way, to Los Angeles head coach Brian Agler, who was named head coach for the month of June. We also had Minnesota Lynx Sylvia Fowles named WNBA player uh, player for the month of June. Yep. 
on the on the Western Conference and John Quell Jones, who is the player of the month in the East. And Chay, you've been very close to watching John Quell's development with your um you know, with your team, with the Connecticut Sun. What have you seen happen with John Quell that's allowed her to have this level of success so early? Well, talking about the L.A. Sparks-Minnesota Lynx matchup, the only person I can compare her skill set to is Candace Parker. But J.J. is a little different. She's more post-centric. Candace can sort of play the three as well. But I'm telling you, I saw her when we played New York. She hit a, like, off-the-dribble crossover three. This this woman is 6'6". She's got a Dirk Nowitzki uh, fadeaway shot. She now, for some reason, which we all thank God for, is – Killing it on the board. Um, you know, she's using that 6'6". Six, six. You know, last year she was a little bit more timid because, you know, as rookies, you tend to try to find your lane. You don't want to step on people's toes. Well, no, she's Facts. She is eating, and she's taking numbers. She's taking names. Um, she reminds me of Candace Parker a lot, but her game is different in the sense she's a little bit more in the paint-centric, but that doesn't mean she won't pull up off the dribble from three. I mean, how often do you get players that can go back-to-back against the basket, grab rebounds, and then also knock down a three off the dribble. I mean, she's super rare. I think everyone's going to know J.J. after this year, and people are going to know her for years to come. I'm just lucky. She's like one of those players that are like, oh, she plays on my team. Like, I don't have to guard her. Hallelujah. <laughs> she's so fun to watch play and you know what she was telling us one day was she actually has not stopped growing like the doctors have told her that you know there's something I guess that happens when you're bo- with your bones when you're done growing like they grow together they get sealed or something like that she's 6'6 six, six, and she could get taller and she was actually like 5'8 up until the A until she was a teenager I think it was like 14 and then she, she grew from 5'8 to 6'6 six, six. so she had point guard skill which which is what you're talking about, that versatility. But now she had it in a 6'6 frame, which is just a beautiful thing. So shout yes. out to John Quell. Um, and, also, and she's go ahead. in the Bahamas, which is really neat. And like, she's... You know, as, yes, as successful as she is here this year, it's like 100 million tenfold. She has so much support from the Bahamas, which is awesome to see. I know that if I ever go to the Bahamas, I got a place to stay, a place to crash. <laughs> but that's why you see her high in the all-star voting, not just for what she's doing on the court, but because Bahamas, they're voting and they're showing out, which is cool to see as well. That's a good point, Shanae. Excellent point. Um, also, last but not least, shout out to Dallas Wings guard Alicia Gray, team lefty, <clears throat> who was WNBA Rookie of the Month. All right, big game is the Minnesota Lynx hosting the L.A. Sparks for the first time since the Lynx lost the winner-take-all Game 5 of the 2016 WNBA Finals on their home court. Shanae, it's early um, so we're not going to just, you know, blow this out of proportion, but we are going to blow this out of proportion. What are you looking <laughs> forward to? What are you looking forward to most in the matchup? Um, I just want to see, you know, who wants it more. Like you said, it's early, but it is a good barometer of teams who wants it more. I mean, both teams have had great starts to the season. I mean, we know Minnesota took, you know, a Connecticut team to knock them off after 11 wins, but... Um, they're still the most formidable team in consistency. L.A., they've had a couple early losses, but they've won eight straight. So who wants it more? Who will step up? Who will come to play? I mean, right now everyone's dubbing this so far pretty much Sylvia Fowles' season um, from the way she came out of the gate nuts, red hot. But if, like, ideally, possibly if, if Sylvia wins MVP – we have Maya Moore, that's MVP. We have Candace Parker, that's MVP. We have Neko Gorgon, that's MVP. So many MVPs on the floor. 
so much talent. I mean, we talk about NBA super teams. These are two super teams. This is like Golden State and the Cavs. And it's sort of true because last year the Sparks came from down, you know, and won the championship sort of like the Cavs did in 2016. So there's so many great rivalries going on between these two teams. And they tend to be, uh, you know, classified as head and shoulders above the rest. The rest of the WNBA. So there's reason to be excited. There's reason to read into this matchup a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, we know that we're going to get a final series of the best of the WNBA now that we've abolished the whole East and West. Um, and these two teams might be the ones there. It's good to get a little taste of what might be to come. And it's going to be interesting to see who steps up because anybody can do it. Anybody can do it for either team. And now you even look at the Sparks. I mean, Chelsea Gray is a different player than she was last year. Um, and Minnesota, you know, they have their solid, consistent lineup. So just seeing how the pieces are different from last year's championship to now um, will be interesting. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. You're right about Chelsea Gray, too, because we mentioned John Quell Jones earlier. Well, Chelsea Gray is right there as far as um, she's in the running for most improved player. She's just shot the ball so well. She looks fantastic. Um, but, yeah, let's look, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I agree with you that we're going to see who wants it more, what has changed. And it's interesting you mentioned the word rivalry because Candace Parker was talking about it today. And she's like, oh, I don't think it's a rivalry yet because we haven't upheld our end of the bargain. There was a lot of respect on this WNBA conference call for Minnesota coming from the, the L.A. side, even though they just won the championship. I mean, I think they have a lot of respect for the sustained excellence that Cheryl Reeve um, and the Minnesota Lynx have shown. But just looking at a couple of numbers. So you mentioned the, the records. LA's 12 and 3, Minnesota's 12 and 1. Um, that one loss coming to the Connecticut Sun. Minnesota started 9 and 0, but LA is hot as well because they just won 8 straight. Now, the biggest difference to me between L.A. and what they were and L.A. and what they are now, they've gotten better defensively in their last eight games, okay? So they held teams, yeah, they've held teams around 76 points per game. They've held them to 41% shooting, which it was 48% shooting uh, through their first seven games. And they've also limited teams from the three-point line to 30% shooting from long range versus 37% from long range. Now, where Minnesota, I think, um, will be different and not in, in necessarily the way they've played down the stretch, but just overall is Sylvia Fowles is a beast. Sylvia Fowles is a beast. And uh, Rebecca Brunson is shooting the three, which has kind of changed what Minnesota is doing on the offensive end. In fact, the entire team is taking more three-point shots, spreading the floor more. Um, but you've got a couple players in like Elena Beard, Simone Augustus that are shooting ridiculous percentages from the floor. Uh, you know, two of the more veteran players in this group. And, and I really, I really think that the matchup comes down to those two players we just talked about. Number one is Chelsea Gray, who we saw become a difference maker last year the finals like this is not new to us right like Chelsea Gray in my opinion was the biggest X factor in the finals like Minnesota just couldn't do anything with her so what will Minnesota do with her this time around the other question is what will LA do with Sylvia Fowles this time around because she's different Big Sil is she is she's different I mean, her mentality, her post moves. No, no, no. I, you know, she is healthy. And I think also, like, it's her mentality. It's her mindset. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to put this on out here. But I think watching that clip of NECA score that 
what was the game winning basket ultimately over her on the putback over and over and over and over again? Like that has to get to oh, you as goodness. a player. What do you, I mean, what would you, what do you think today? I mean, what would that do to you as a player? Well, it's not even just Sylvia in that one clip. It's the whole team and seeing how they came from, be, you know, being down eight and now, you know, coming back, making a severe comeback and then, like it all slipping away on the final possession on an effort play, right? So I think it's the whole team that watched that last moment. And now they're going to internalize it and see that this is a moment that, hey, we won't want to have it happen again. So you're going to see a very motivated Minnesota squad. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, fans. Make sure you're tuning in. I know I'll be talking and tweeting about it. I know Shanae will be um, all into the mix. Tarika, do you, can you just close this by telling us who's going to win? Come on, Tarika. Um, absolutely. It's gonna be LA. Drop um, the mic. Oh snap. It's it's gonna be LA. It's just <laughs> That first of all, you guys know, and I have to keep saying this because I was probably the only one in the world who predicted that LA was going to win the title last year. You sure did, girl. And you I was, sure did. I did. I did from the very okay, beginning. Come on now. I, also, I, I had to homer for the sis too. Absolutely. And yeah, then, you did. And then on top of that too, I I'm a big Maya Moore fan, but she plays completely different when she plays against LA in the regular season, and that's something that I've noticed. That's something that the stats will show as well. And Sylvia Fowles. Interesting. It, it's very interesting if you check that out so i'm gonna give the edge to la um they're coming in hot remember this time last year both teams were coming into their first game against each other undefeated i think uh la was like 11 and 0 minnesota was 13 and 0 so it's a similar concept where you know you've mentioned la's coming in hot minnesota's coming in 12 and 1 who's gonna take who out of their element first and i think la is gonna be the team to take minnesota out of their element first there Uh-oh. it is oh well we will be watching fans make sure you tune in i'm gonna say it for the last time i know y'all are tired of hearing it thursday july 6 8 o'clock on espn2 make sure you watch second quarter inside the huddle That's right. It's the second quarter, and we are going inside the huddle. Now, last week we're inside the huddle. We were with Tina Thompson. Well, we're back inside, deep inside the huddle with the one, the only, Tamika Catchings. Welcome to the show, Tamika. Thanks for having me. Well, we are really honored to have you. Not only have we been talking about you for like the last few weeks, your jersey retirement, the goal conversation, but you just help us to cover a multitude of topics. So we're going to throw some things at you today. Chanae and I, um, you know, and, and Tarika want to glean from your wisdom. So let's just start off, first of all, with this retirement ceremony, which, I mean, again, and, and I've expressed this to you, my mom and I cried for about 15 to 20 minutes on average straight um today was in love with your with your outfit right today you were just yeah. enamored by it's not, it's not outfit it's ankara it's nigerian oh. slash african fabric so that's the vocabulary word of the day and she was killing it i loved it ankara Ooh, i've learned oh, something so I you like had it. you had you had the look you had the speech but inside of of that moment, take us there. Like, what was that like for you now that you can kind of look back and reflect? Yeah, that that whole weekend, um, you know, basically started from the Wednesday before with just so many people coming in town and all my family was here. And But between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I think the last coup came in earlier in the day on Saturday. And, um, you know, just having, having that with them and being able to share it with my family and, of course, the fans and, 
and all of that. And it just was crazy because we ate earlier in the day at my house, and, you know, we're all kind of in a circle, I mean, holding hands, getting ready for the prayer, and I was going to do the prayer. But before I did the prayer, I wanted to just thank everybody for being there. And, like, I started to talk, and, like, I broke down in tears. And so, like, you can imagine my little nephews were looking at me like, it's okay, that one on one leg, the other one on the other leg. And, you know, they were trying to console me. And I, I thought I had gotten it all out early. But then um, when I got, got to the arena early or later that afternoon and, you know, getting ready for the game, and, you know, my heart was beating the whole game, and especially as we got to halftime, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just like, it's the grand finale. Um, you know, you look at last year and just the last game that I played in and the emotion with that and the emotion for the, the ceremony they did last year. And, you know, I was kind of able to hold myself together, but I think just knowing like this is it and, you know, you prepare your whole life to be able to play basketball, to be able to be successful in something and then, when you know, like you're literally going to that, or transitioning to that next phase, is in that moment, it's just kind of like it. I just was like, <gasps> and tears just came, and yeah, trying to regroup. <laughs> so you know, just watching that video clip, uh, you're so emotional, and we all played hoops with the exception of Tarika, maybe. Sorry, Tarika. You um, don't know my background. <laughs> 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 I wonder, like, you know, when I think about Stanford or even, you know, Cypher High School where I came from, I know you're a Texas girl, too. People always claim Indy, but you're a Texas girl, too. When you think about being in Indiana and, and what is there, like, one moment that you look back on and, and it sort of, like, struck your heart um, when you look over your whole career? Because I know when I was at Stanford, we went to a couple of Final Fours, but when we beat UConn is what I, I remember and I can still feel. What do you feel from your experience in Indy? Is there a certain moment? I think on the court, I mean, I would go to 2009, and that year we made it all the way, finally beat Detroit, you know, and that was like our Achilles heel right there. Um, every year prior to that, it's like we would make it so far, and then we'd have to play Detroit and we would always get beat. But that 2009, that was the first time that we beat them, and then we made it all the way to the finals and, you know, lost in game five to Phoenix, but still it was just kind of like, man, to get to that point. It took all these years to get to that point. So on the court, I would say that, but then off the court, I would say, you know, when I started my Catch the Stars Foundation in 2004 and just really being able to shift gear from what you did on the court to being able to impact lives off the court. Tamika, when I think about that day um, of your Jersey retirement, I, I, the first thing that popped in my mind is I always want to know what the surprises were. Like uh, surrounding the ceremony or on that day, were there any people that you heard from or moments you had that just were totally surprising or like swept you off your feet in any any particular way? Um, you know, probably more the people that text that are just like, you know, so proud of you. And, I mean, it just might even just be, I'm so proud of you. Um, but, you know, some of the different players that, that text and, of course, you know, having the fans there and just the support, I mean, even before the game, walking around and everybody that I ran into was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm so excited and, you know, I'm so excited for you and about your transition and just, you know, everything that you have going on. Yeah, speaking of everything that you have going on, Tamika, you have not 
slowed down at all since leaving uh, the basketball court. Fill the fans in on not only um, you know all the hats that you're wearing for the the Pacers and the Fever, but also you have your own tee shop. Tell us a little bit about both of those endeavors and, and how they came about. Yeah, so cool. Um, the tea shop is actually called Tease Me, T-E-A, apostrophe S, me, M-E. Um, I've been going there for like the last 10 years, and for me it really was like a safe haven, a place away from the basketball court, away from my house, just kind of that place I could go. And, you know, most of the people that frequented there were, weren't basketball fans, so I would sit in a corner for hours at a time on my computer, you know, reading books, whatever it was that I wanted to do. Uh, so I found out right before the holidays last year that they were going to be closing shop at the end of the year. One thing led to another, and, you know, here we are. I purchased a shop in February, and, you know, just it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I never, ever would have dreamed about being an entrepreneur and having my own shop. I mean, you don't really think just like, hey, one day I'm going to have my own tea shop, and I didn't go to school for that or anything. So, you know, you're kind of learning on the fly, but the one great thing we always talk, and I mean, we're celebrating Title Nine this year, what, 45 years, Title Nine. Um, yes. You know, the one thing that you always learn from sports and the opportunities that you have from sports, is a lot of it translates to any facet of your life. And so, you know, being a leader, being able to communicate, being a good teammate, being able to have, you know, get the right teammates around you. And, you know, so a lot of the skills that I applied on the court, I'm now able to apply in the tea shop. And then, of course, my position with Patriots Sports Entertainment, you know, really is trying to find, help our players figure out while they're playing what they're passionate about. Because I think a lot of them, and Sinead, you might be able to attest to this too, a lot of players look at us, and I know you haven't transitioned, but you've been able to find other things, you know, to kind of buy your time as you rehab and all that. And, you know, that's finding the things that you're passionate about. Well, a lot of players don't do that, and they don't know what they're passionate about. So, they get hurt and they just kind of chill and wait until they get back on the court. And it's like, no, this is the prime time to figure out, okay, I love working with kids. All right, you know, Africa is a big thing that I'm passionate about and obviously a part of my heritage. You know, you talk about Sinead and NECA and what you guys are doing. So it's been cool for me to be able to work with our team and trying to figure out, like, hey, let's find something that you're passionate about and try to put you in a position to create relationships and, and be able to build off those resources. And, and Tamika, I credit you completely um, with with igniting that motivation in me, um, and and also being like my safety net, planting that seed in my head. Because I don't know if you remember, but my rookie year at rookie orientation, since you're on the WMBPA, you know you're the president, and you pulled me to the side because you know NECA, obviously, and I, I really appreciate it because you pulled me to the side and said, "Nay, the WMBA, you know, you, you're gonna." You're going to work for it, but make sure it works for you. Make the most of your opportunities. You pull me to side. Yeah. It's probably not those exact words. You're probably, like, way more direct the way you are on the court. And it shook me. It, it, and I really appreciated it because it made me think, you know, while I'm playing, what am I doing to, to help myself, like you said, transition? And that's why when I saw and we all applauded you for your, your new position, which was perfect with the Pacers, and, you know, in accordance with everything else you're doing as well, like, this is what who you are, and this is what you have preached, and, and you really helped set me up to be successful. Like, and I tell everyone this story. So I'm sure LaChina has heard it before. And, and you mentioned leadership. And before I even get to leadership, what's your favorite strain of tea? Because I'm a vanilla chai, 
I just like to know what other people <laughs> like. What we have doing? some vanilla chai. <laughs> I'm a chai girl too. I like a little chai tea, chai tea latte. So that doesn't really yeah. count. I know, but chamomile is probably my favorite because it's like relaxes you and you know gives you a little. Yeah, Tamika, what do you like? What's your favorite tea? Well, my favorite at our tea shop is it's called Tropical Cyclone. So it's a uh, tropical but fruity blend. I'm a fruity person. So it's a green tea. Um, but we have green, we have white, we have black, we have oolong, we have herbal. Um, we have a little bit of everything. We just added coffee to the menu, and we serve breakfast and lunch. So with your tea, when you guys come, you can also yes. have a meal. So yeah. I, I got your first one. Good. After so that, we got we got to pay. Okay, I'll be Absolutely. up. Me, you ain't got to tell me, but once I will be up in there. We'll get the address before we get off uh, with Tamika. But I wanted to go back to something that um, today said a minute ago, and she talked about just your role um, at orientation and what you've done with the Players Association. You know, we've had this conversation for the last couple of weeks about who's the goat of the WNBA, right? Um, and even we've said just women's basketball. We don't know which one. We didn't confuse the fans. But anyway, so your name obviously came up a lot. And one of the things that people said about you, Tamika, you know, she's a two-way player, uh, which my dad is, is all about. Um, but people also reflected on the type of person you have been in terms of growing the visibility of the league, the marketing, the face of it, um, and, and all that you do just from being the person you are. You've done so much. People don't even understand how much you've done with the players' union, the extra time that it has taken as being the union president since I believe 2004 and helping the league through its formative years. Like Tamika, just give us some insight into what that was like for you. Um, and you know, what is it like now that you're passing the torch on to one? I think we've heard of her NECA Agumike. Yeah. So excited for NECA. Yeah. So, so excited for NECA. And I, I mean, I'll say this, like when, in 2004, literally, I got drafted. 2001, I was out my first year with my ACL. Came back 2002, 2003, and then after 2003, Coquise Washington, who was the former or who was the current president before me, um, she retired. And so, you know, I knew I didn't really know about the Players Association like you know about it, but you don't really know about it. And I got like voted for, to be the president. And I just remember being so nervous and so overwhelmed because I was like, how do you go from not being a part of it <laughs> to jump right. into not just like, a part of it, but now like you're the president and you're making, you know, all of these decisions and, you know, having to sit on these phone calls and, and all of that. But I feel like I've grown so much even from a leadership standpoint because 2004 was my first year with the presidency for the Players Association. But I always talk about my mentor and the person that really showed me about leadership, you know, outside of coaches, but somebody that I played with was Don Staley. And so playing mm. on, you know, uh, that Olympic team 2004 and watching her, it's like, okay, like, I got, I, I can grow to be a little bit like Don. Like, that was my person. I was like, okay, I want to be like her. And, um, and from a leadership standpoint. And so really, like, from 2004 to last year, he's kind of growing in that position. But when NECA came, you know, I say NECA and Sinead, too, because when Nika came, I started talking to her about the Players Association and, you know, just kind of planting seeds here and there. And I know even going into last year, she was really nervous about 
that position and being the president. And I'm like, you know what? You're you're groomed for it. Like you're ready for it. And it it might sound intimidating just because it's a quote unquote title, but you have the skill set. You you know you have definitely have the education. She speaks really well. You know she's very intelligent. But and being a president, one thing that you have to be very conscious of is you can't. I mean, if you make the top dollar, you make the top salary in the WNBA. In this position, you're not focused on that group of players, that small percentage of players that's making the top amount. You're worried about the rookies that are just coming in and their salary and the middle ground players that get out of the rookie camp contracts and now are going to the real official contract, which is a big jump in dollars, which is sent for a team. When you look at general managers, you know, trying to build teams, that account, you know, that extra money that they have to spend on those players coming off the rookie contract, that goes into play. And so you're worried about all these different levels of, of players and, you know, from a monetary value, but you want to also represent them in a way that it's not just me. It's not about me. It's about you guys. And, you know, I think that that's one thing, Our, you know, not just myself, but, you know, our executive committee did a really good job. Flynn Cass, Jane Appel, you know, Carol Lawson, uh, Ruth Riley, um, you know, Tanisha Wright, NECA, of course, was on that group this past year. And now she's president. And, you know, now the group that the young group, that come in, you know, kind of taken over from us old schoolers. But, you know, it was fun while while I had the opportunity and, and really, like, just being able to advance the league and hand it off to NECA and her crew. And, you know, I, I know that they're going to do a great job, too. That is just fascinating. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Tamika, what are the main responsibilities? So you talked about understanding the the vast difference between maybe someone that's making max and making minimum and all the issues that affect each of these groups. What would you, what would you say were the main responsibilities now that NECA will take on other than, you know, the CBA? Because people think that that's it, right? Like, oh, you negotiated and then that's but I mean, you're doing so much in between time. What do you say the major responsibilities are as the president of the union? Well, I think the biggest thing is communication. You know, nobody wants to be left in the dark. And so one thing that we were able to establish over the last couple of years is a better system of being able to communicate with all the players. And then what people don't, there's player reps on each team. Each team has, you know, two player reps. And so even having meetings with them. And then the biggest thing is bridging the gap between the players association, which represents the players, in the WNBA and being in constant communication that way too to make sure like okay what is the league like initiative what are they focusing in on what are you know different areas that they're needing the players to step up their game and then from our standpoint from the players association what do we want <laughs> you know and right. these are the different initiatives how do we kind of bridge that gap to make it to make it happen across all 12 teams and now being on the inside also and experiencing a little bit, you know, Necker sort of recruited me into the fold. Um, yep. and, and experiencing, like, you know, the day-to-day challenges that we have, but at the same time, you know, we are really exciting. And, and the engagement that we get, I mean, I know the communication that you started, because I think when you, when you, your final year, I was maybe a rookie or this is my second year, and that's when we started the WhatsApp group chat. And that WhatsApp group chat was major in helping us communicate. And so that's why I completely, like, this. that was a game changer for us. And we all sort of band together and hold each other accountable. And I think that stemmed from your leadership and communication. That trickled down. And, 
And now that we have better communication within the WMBTA and we have a more unified voice, as people have seen, you know, with when we had the Black Lives Matter uh, situation, um, we, we have a unified voice as a, as a players association. I'm wondering, because, like, our goal right now is really, you know, besides preparing to negotiate the CBA, which is what we tend to do and focus on a lot, what ways can we use to help push, like, the WNBA to the next level? Like, picking your brain um, from one former WNBPA officer to another. Um, because I think a lot of times people try to find, we have different ideas, but I know you pro- you've seen everything. You've seen some things. And your hindsight, hindsight is, is crucial and key. What will take us to the next level? Well, I mean, I think that continuing on the route, and the great thing is, you know, looking at your executive committee and looking at the players that you have, you represent a broad group of players and, and all different, you know, um, and all different levels. And so I think the biggest thing is, is being able to pick and pick the brains of the people that are in your group, but then also make sure that there's, you know, an actual Nekka comes in because you've got to make sure that the decision that you make, you know, I've always been an all or nothing kind of player. And kind of leader too is we're all going to do it, or we're all not going to do it. And you know, I, I think that in a sense of some of the different situations and some of you know the decisions that were made along the way. And so I think that when you look at it, is does it benefit everybody, and or does it not? You know, because in some sense, in some senses, you'll be able to pick real fast if it's not something that benefits everybody, and, and you know to some certain level, like some people might benefit more than other players, but does everybody get a benefit from it? And just really trying to move the needle on that. I mean, from the last CBA negotiations, you know, one thing that we had talked a lot about was the core, you know, core, coring players. And I mean, I'm, I'm a product of a player that got cored and, you know, literally went my first 11 years without even having an option to go anywhere. Um, and, you know, whether or not I would have left Indiana, like, that's a whole other story, but to even have the option. And so that's something that was very crucial and very critical to the last CBA. So now as you guys negotiate for the next one, you know, looking at the core deal, I think we got it down to, what, four years, and that's after your rookie contract. So that'll be something that you know, I'm sure some players will be looking at, well, is that something that we can kind of move the needle on? And then, of course, you know, you go into your negotiation from that standpoint. Every time we talk, I'm always taking notes, mental notes. We all are. We all are. We we have to take a quick break before we ask Tamika her last question. But before we go to that break, we've been talking so much about the executive committee, and I think it's important for the fans to understand who the executive committee is now. Again, we mentioned um, NECA is the president of the Players Union. Cheney is the vice president. Um, of the Players Union. Laysia Clarendon is the first vice president. Modi Curry is a vice president. Uh, Monica Wright, secretary and treasurer. Anyone else I'm leaving out there? Chanae, is that, is that it? No, that's it. That's the crew. That, that is. All right. Ooh, so that's ooh. the new leadership of the WNBA. Fans, stay right where you are. Uh, we will have more with Tamika Catchings and rack, wrapping up her interview right after this. <laughs> Third quarter. Scouting report. 
It is the third quarter, and we have with us the great Tamika Catchings on the line. Um, something I'm curious about, Tamika, as we go back to just, again, your reputation in the community, your character, all those things that have followed you even beyond all of your accomplishments on the court. You know, it's July, and that means it's recruiting time, AAU basketball games going on. Um, you're very active and involved with camps. You know, I love that you're reaching back to our young people, but, you know, we're in a troubling time in our society right now you know I mean whether it's the social media cyber bullying that kids are experiencing all the various pressures from self imaging to um, you know drugs and alcohol and all those things even if you look at collegiate athletes um, and, and some things that are some trends that are happening with either mental illness and um, I mean just all kinds of things so the transfer rate some people are worried about with our young women um, take us back to just your foundation as a young woman what can parents be doing what can these young people be doing during July during the summer to not just help them as far as their growth on the court but help them to grow um, as young women that will be basically the 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 foundation for the future of of our women's game yeah um, I mean I I think it's it's a a tough balance that has well, I'll just go back. I mean, I think in our, in our, and I don't want to say in our age because it's not like it was that, that long ago, but. You know, I'm, old, that, I'm old. I'm <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah, but, but summertime was really a time where, where your game grew. I mean, yeah, we had our AAU tournaments and we played traveling basketball, but you know, there weren't that many tournaments. It was kind of like we kind of picked and chose which ones we went to as a team and, I mean, I spent a lot of summertime just developing, playing a lot of pickup ball, going to the park, grabbing my ball, just dribbling outside, you know, going to the basketball court by myself and just getting shots up. That's what I remember as a kid. And now it's just kind of, you know, every weekend there's another tournament. And every, you know, every day you're you're at a, a different camp and you're over here and you're doing this. And you know, one thing that I found is a lot of players, younger players, don't know how to just pick up a basketball and go to a gym. They don't know how to just grab a basketball and go outside and shoot hoops. You know, it's kind of become like a lost art. And if I had to make any recommendations, it's really just, you know, figure out how to love basketball by yourself and figure out, you know, how to just work on your game and not everything have to be so structured and so, you know, I have to have a coach, I have to have a rebounder, I have to have all these people around. Because I think for me that's what my passion and my drive for the game came from, it just being able it was, I'd be mad, I'd be happy, I'd be sad, I'd be whatever I was that I knew I could just grab my ball and go to a court and, like, I could work on my game. Right. And what about your off-the-court development? Like, how did you develop your character, your, like, all those intangibles? You, you could be the best basketball player in the world, and you know this, but it's really who you are that, that carries you beyond that in life. How can and they work on oh, those sorry. things? Yeah, and I wanted to piggyback on your question to add an addendum. Um, and what advice would you give to the young kids we're talking about in AAU? Um, so that they, you know, we, we I mean, Latina listed, you know, all the issues that are going on in society. What advice would you give to the young kids as well um, so that we don't see as many transfers, hopefully, and we see kids happier with their decisions as well as they navigate and find their love for the game? Well, respect. <laughs> respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's that's another thing, you know, you kind of go around and, I mean, I, 
you know, we played some for some great coaches and have been around some great players. But the thing that I remember all the time is is the thing that Pat taught me at University of Tennessee, the thing that both of my coaches in Texas and, you know, up in Chicago, they, they taught us about respecting people. And, you know, I mean, I use Pat as an example just because I put her on this pedestal and, you know, just as far as somebody that I was able to learn from and her humbleness, no matter how high she got, she always, she knew everybody that worked in the facility from the janitors all the way up to the, the front office to all, you know, she knew who everybody was and she treated everybody the same, but she gave everybody respect. And a lot of players, you know, when you look at character-wise, a lot of people want respect, but they're not given respect. And so, you know, really learning how to respect yourself for one, but respecting others, respecting your elder, respecting the people that are around you, you know, and ultimately when you talk about the game of basketball, being able to respect the game. Yeah. Well, as we have mentioned several times, I mean, it's definitely your character and everything, who you are, that will outlast everything that you've done on the court. You know, I mean, I think when people watched you play, they always talk about your heart, your leadership, and how you brought everyone else with you. And that's something that I see happening with young kids is it's more focused on me. You know, we're living in a me time. And your your reputation of a selfless player, I hope, will live wherever it needs to live. So these young girls can go back and watch YouTube, Instagram, wherever it is. They all need to definitely um, be able to watch the things that you've done. And, and hopefully our game will continue to move in the right direction if they have that mindset uh, that you played with and all the leadership that you've shown us. Before we let you go, Tamika, um, let fans know where they can visit you in Indy um, so they can get some tea. And then um, just how we can keep up with you. Yeah, I mean, you can always come to the tea shop, Teas in the Cafe, uh, 140 East 22nd Street here in Indianapolis. But now most of the stuff you can find, I mean, we have my website, TamikaCatching.com, and then our foundation website, CatchTheStars.org. I'm going to give you all these websites. And then our tea shop is TeasMeIndy.com because the ultimate goal for the tea shop is to be able to franchise and go to different locations. So stay tuned. Keep up. A job, <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, start a franchise out here in Connecticut, please. I'm, I'm tired of right. Atlanta. It can be my franchise. <laughs> Tamika, you can't get out of here that fast just yet because so far this WNBA season on Around the Rim, I've kind of started something and now I feel like I have to finish it. So, Uh-oh. yeah, I know, right? Uh oh. So, uh, what we ended <laughs> up doing a couple weeks ago was we had a Twitter poll in which, uh, LaChina actually touched on a little bit earlier in the second quarter that we were asking fans who we felt their goat was. And our Around the Rim fans actually voted for you as the goat of women's basketball or WNBA basketball. And I think that's a well-deserving honor. But I want to know, and I'm sure our fans do too, before you go, who is your GOAT for women's basketball and why? Ooh, I would say my GOAT for women's basketball would be Lisa, Lisa Leslie. And, you know, I think when I when I think about her and just what she was able to do on, on the court, obviously, but then – even off the court, you know, how she's been able to, to brand herself and to be a brand, you know. Um, she continues to do great things and, you know, somebody that I talk about Dawn as far as, you know, the leadership standpoint, but even from, from Lisa's standpoint, being able to watch her, 
uh, watch her develop over the years. And, you know, I got a chance to play with her, not just with the USA team, but even overseas and continuing to learn from her even now. Wow, that's two major votes for Lisa, Tamika and Chanae. Didn't you say Lisa as well, Chanae? So I said Tamika is my GOAT, but I said <laughs> if, we, if we had to roll it back for the record books from the beginning of time, I would also... Lisa. Yeah, you know, we so did. I, oh, I okay. Did. See, we, we have to differentiate. We've got our goat of WNBA, like who's playing or recently played, and then we've got our goat of women's basketball, like all together. And, and we have all these other criteria to be good. It's a hot mess. I mean, you well, know, we, we, my also have, we also have the Himalayas. <laughs> we so. do. Yeah, then we have the Himalayas. So it's not the, wait a minute, where do we get that from? The, well, because everyone has their Mount Rushmore. Like everyone oh, yeah, has the Mount their Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. And so Chanae's yeah. like, you know what? We need to change it up a little bit instead of having the Mount. Because what we do in, in the WNBA, we're innovators. We switch it up. Yes. We don't do everything yeah, everybody right. else do. Yeah, so we don't Exactly. So instead of Mount Rushmore, we got the Himalayas of hoops, but it's still only four people. The Himalayas. <laughs> See, we had someone named Nine Himalayas oh, of wow. hoops. I was like, you know what? You're gonna have to cut back at least half. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but Tamika, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Um, we definitely want to have you back as the season rolls on to talk about WNBA play. And um, you forgot to mention something else you've been doing that you are phenomenal at and that is commentating women's basketball not only uh, for the Indiana Fever but we enjoyed listening to you during the college season you see the game so well like you would see things Tamika and I worked the game together and I'm telling you her eyes are so keen she talked about something happening on the floor and I look back I was like where did that happen where, where? I didn't even see you know what I mean? You just are so your eye for the game. I'm excited about, you know, you calling games, everything you have going on, but in particular that part because you teach me, you teach all the fans so much. So hopefully you enjoy it and, and are going to do more because uh, we love hearing from you. Thanks for China. And it was awesome working with you. I know I'm trying to work on it for next season it'd be it'd be awesome if me you and today at some point got to work together but anyway we'll write that they into our contracts at some time in the future yeah yeah we definitely would well thank you so much catch for your time please tell your wonderful husband Pernell we all said hello um and enjoy your time in Indy thank you see you guys fourth quarter out of bounds well fans it's time to bring our show to a close we thank you as always for tuning in to around the rim please make sure that you continue to tweet us and connect with us on social media download us subscribe you know all that information um but before we go fourth quarter is always our out of bounds just our random topic um i'm not going to address anything that's currently happening between black china and rob kardashian but i am going to talk about power (laughs) I am going to talk about power. Um, 
Shade hasn't seen it. Tarika has. Tarika, give us give us your thoughts on what's happening. Big We're two episodes in. We are. And if you guys have not watched yet, it is not too late to take a moment and just play binge day and catch part. up because it is getting extremely real. It's getting so real to the point where I don't even know who to hate on the show right now because I have so many options. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's the spoiled brat Tariq. There's the bitter ex girlfriend who doesn't know what's going on. There's the homeboy who you kind of want to believe still has something up his sleeve, Andre, but we ain't really sure whose side he's really on. Nigel wrote to me. It, it's just like what in the world? And we're only two episodes into the new season. Well, let, let me tell you, go. I am here for it. I am here for it. I've never had a show made me so conflicted with arm candy. I'm here for Tommy, and I'm here for Ghost. And I'm here for me. I love it. <laughs> okay, well, let me just say this. Your vocals were on point, Jay, so let's not forget to give you a little credit for that. Um, <laughs> and then also, Tarika, so then there's Ghost, who no one ever really wants to talk about him. This is all his fault. You can blame all these people for all the things that they snitch. And if there's Angela and there's Tasha and there's Tommy and Kanan and Tariq and, you know, Julio and Cooper. There's there's all these people, Dre. But then this goes. And he bought all of this on himself. He lies. No, he, he cheated. He cheated on his wife. No, he did not murder this man, but come on, like he had it coming. Ghost and murdered like four, five, six people since the show started, and y'all act like you don't care. All I'm saying He's a legend. Is, He's a legend. If you're gonna go to jail, go to jail for the things you did do. Don't go to jail with the potential of a of a very harsh sentence. I'm not gonna get you know what? You know what? Yes, I am. I'm gonna give it away because we're in the middle of the week, and if you haven't seen Power just yet, Stop that's it. your fault. I'm hanging up. I'm that's hanging your fault. up. That's your fault. <laughs> so you know what? If he, gets, no, if he gets a death sentence off something he didn't commit, that's just kind of foul. So he has eight bodies. He has eight bodies well, you behind him. Like he would have got the death sentence anyway. Charge him for the eight bodies he got. Set. Fifty set is not Shonda Rhimes. Ghost ain't going nowhere. Well, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting though. I really I am excited to see this play out because on on a serious note, this is the most vulnerable that we've seen Ghost the entire series. Honestly, every season that you see him, you always get the sense that he's in control of the situation. And for the first time in four seasons, there's nothing that he can do for the situation that he's in right now. And I think that's what's but- gonna make the season strong. But he's still fine. So that's why you can't really feel bad for him because he's exactly. sad and he's broke down and he's in jail, but he's still fine. Can we- I never agree with you more, Latina. <laughs> yeah. We can't feel bad for him. He's too fine. Like you you don't really feel like he's suffering because in face he just has so many great things going on but can i also say that i am not here for tommy and lakeisha and we're just gonna stop right there because today is is on catch-up mode but i'm not here for it i just want to throw out there really quickly that i did have an opportunity to meet omari hardwick um He's on my Instagram. Yes, He's on my Twitter. If yes, you haven't you did. seen it. And <laughs> I have done my very best to maintain this friendship. So, Omari, I mean, you can let me know the scoop of what's going on for the rest of the season, and I promise I won't tell nobody. Okay. You and know what? You just had you, Omari, at Mohegan anytime and bring, and bring Tommy. <laughs> 
you know what? You and this Tommy campaign today, I'm over you because Tommy was hanging out with everybody at the Essence Festival. But we'll talk about that at a later time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for today. Um, thank you for joining us on Around the Rim. Please follow us on social media. I am at LaChina Robinson, at Chanae321, and at she knows Sports underscore. Hashtag Around the Rim. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.